But actually, though, so how do you grow tough skin, especially to someone like me? I'm a huge crybaby. How do I become a thug? Not how do I become a thug? <laughs> Not what I wanted to ask. Sure. You know, how do I live that motto? <laughs> Welcome to yet another episode of Soul Talks by Ume. This is your host, Ume, or Annie, as you prefer. And yeah, today I can, as you can hear, barely hold back my excitement because we are going to hear from a dear friend of mine. Her name is Liz Ojo, and Liz is such a standout woman. We sat down and had a chat about growing up Nigerian-Canadian, studying engineering as a woman, excelling in your career in the industrial and tech space, and marrying at 19. I don't want to take away too much. Sit back, enjoy this episode. Liz is really the type of person that if life throws lemons at her, she'll make iced tea out of it. Or however that quote goes. <laughs> Thank you for coming on here, Liz. We've known each other, I want to say, for a good over two years now. We spend most of our days sending each other the shade room memes back and forth on IG (laughs) in between our crazy work schedules. You were the first person I messaged about recording this podcast, and there's so much to your professional and your personal story that I know will inspire the people the same way that it does for me. So again, thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. Honestly, such a pleasure. So welcome. How was your day? Oh man, it was busy. It was crazy as it usually is, but it was great. Um, can't complain. <laughs> I knew you were going to say busy because your, your days, they, they're always busy. And uh, so guys, Liz and I are currently doing the Chloe Ting Challenge. Yes. Uh, just in time for Christmas to get back in shape. But honest, like... Did you do your workout this morning or are you still set to do it later today? So I didn't do it this morning because I'm a night owl, like um, Annie knows. We're actually <laughs> kind of both night owls. So what's going to happen is that it's probably going to be 1130. I realize I haven't done my workout yet and I'll be like, okay, I have to do it. So I'm that kind of person that does workouts from like 1130 to like 1230, then prep for bed and then go to bed. Is it a bit unconventional? Yeah, but I think that's a bit of my life. I just managed to get it done. So I'll probably do it tonight right before I go to bed. Wow. I see that's like as much as I'm a night owl, I couldn't. Because by if 11.30 were to come around, I have so many more interesting and exciting things to do than Chloe Ting. So this is just part of my morning routine where I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> Let me just get this over with. And then I feel so proud for the rest of my day. Oh, it's really, it's only been day, like it's only day two, but it's hard. I'm sorry. I know, I know. The struggle is real. <laughs> so um, yeah, like with every guest, let's start out by playing the Blitz game. Do you remember the rules? Um, I think so, but just remind me just to make sure. Yeah. So what we're going to do is what I'm actually going to do is set a, a little timer here and I'll ask you questions that you'll have to answer as fast as possible. And let me set the timer. 
Now, full name. Elizabeth Ojo. Place of birth. Nigeria. What were you doing in 1993? Uh, I don't know. I was one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was one living my one-year-old life. Last song you listened to? Probably something on my release radar on Spotify, so I don't know the exact name. Okay, and that was it. Yeah, actually, you, you did better than, than John last week. Like, we fit in one more question. So kudos to you. I didn't know you were born in Nigeria. I wasn't. <laughs> 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 I actually panicked, and I was like, um... <laughs> the best. <laughs> I was actually born in Greece for some reason, as you said, Oh, where were you born? Like, I, I thought you said my ethnicity. And then the whole time as you're asking me questions, I'm like, I don't, that wasn't right. But now everybody's going to think I'm a fraud. But no, you guys, no, I wasn't born in Nigeria. And yes, Annie, you're right. So I've been that exposed. So That's what happens. I was under stress. <laughs> yeah, it sounded very com- confident. I was like, oh, yeah, I did. I did That's but... the moral of my life. Honestly, <laughs> like, just do it scared and just fake it till you make it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Honestly, my last name is Chisombu, and I still get it wrong sometimes. Like, it's so embarrassing. How can you misspell your own name? Well, apparently, you can misquote where you were born, so I guess we're even. Yeah, speaking of Nigeria, so I'm super curious to hear a bit about your upbringing because to me, you were and you are a local to Montreal. Well, your parents are from Nigeria, right? Yes, they are. So that's interesting. My parents are born and brought up in Nigeria met in Nigeria, then of course traveled abroad, um, looking for a better life. I think like most first generation or even second generation um, kids can relate to. But yeah, in transit, they stopped by Europe. I was born and final destination is Canada. Um, So it's interesting because I think culturally, I've always identified as Nigerian. I, I feel like I'm a proud Nigerian. But in terms of the language, that's one of the things that my parents didn't maybe focus as much on teaching me, um, just because they wanted to make sure that I assimilated, if that's the proper word, well into the culture. Mm. So it's been always interesting for me because, you know, I'm Nigerian, but I'm not Nigerian enough maybe for the Nigerians that grew up in Nigeria or the Mm. Nigerians that are like fully fluent in my language or I'm and I'm not Canadian or Quebecer enough for you know the Canadians or the Quebecers here because you know I've always felt like I was a proud Nigerian so it's really it's kind of like an interesting dichotomy or an interesting battle I guess to say that I'm Nigerian but not Nigerian enough for the Nigerians and not Canadian enough for the Canadians. The never-ending story of identity crisis as a yep. cultural unicorn. But yeah, so one of my questions w- would have been, what was growing up as a second gen, uh, what was that like for you? And do you do you speak one of the languages that are native to Nigeria? Like Yoruba in your case? Is that a language or is it the tribe? Yes, it is. You're right. So yeah, I mean, Annie, you're kind of, you're kind of culturally Nigerian too, but that's, <laughs> that's a story for another time. But <laughs> yes. Exactly. You're adopted. Um, but yeah, I am Yoruba. Um, and actually, I mean, I understand it quite well. Now, of course, I'm a bit rusty versus, you know, when I was still living at home. But I would say that I, I understand it pretty well. So like most second gen or first gen, like you understand your parents 100%. Mm. 
But when it's someone else and you're like, hmm, maybe I'm not as fluent as I thought I was. Honestly. So I would say about 80% I understand. And in terms of speaking, I really don't like speaking it because then my accent, mm-hmm. then you could tell that I'm not, I didn't grow up in Nigeria. So then I get quite self-conscious with the way I speak it. So I kind of try and avoid it. But typically I will understand a good majority of it. So don't know if that answers your question in terms of the language, but yeah, I understand as well, but I don't speak it just so that I don't embarrass myself. <laughs> <laughs> what do they call it? Do they say Akata or is, like, is that? Yeah, so or... Akata or Oyumbo, which is just yeah. kind of like, <laughs> yeah, let's just say it. I won't, I don't want to like translate because I feel like I get lost in translation, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like your bra so when you're like when you're talking and your accent is a little funny you're like oh you're talking like an oyumbo person you know so yeah so that kind of explains how you would use oyumbo but um yeah that's why i don't speak it because then you know it's kind of embarrassing so i just rather understand what you're saying and answer in english you know it's just the best of both worlds and then earlier you said that um not Nigerian enough for certain Nigerians, but then not Canadian enough for certain Canadians. So in what ways do you and do you not relate to either fellow Nigerians or second gens like yourself? Um, No, that's a good question. So in terms of like Nigerians, I would say, you know, especially if I didn't grow up there, there's certain maybe of the cultural things that I won't necessarily understand or sort of the struggles or there's maybe certain mentalities that um, are more prevalent if you grew up in Nigeria. But the fact that I grew up here without realizing it, without whether I like it or I don't, a lot of my, the way I see the world and the way I see life is kind of shaped by the Western world as opposed to the African mentality. So of course, like, you know, getting it secondhand, if I can call it that from your parents, is very different than if I was immersed in a completely Nigerian culture and really growing up in Nigeria so that's one um, and I think too as Africans or Nigerians a huge part of it is the language right so I think mm-hmm. a lot of culture is kind of um, transmitted through different generations through the language and I would say growing up our parents didn't really want to teach us the language just because I think they just really wanted to make sure that we weren't excluded from Canadian culture um, they were worried that, let's say, if you were just speaking Yoruba or English, maybe that it would be harder for us to learn French. And they really wanted to make sure that we had access to as much opportunity, if not more, as our counterparts. So I think for them, they kind of made that decision. And I think it's only when I got a little older, so I think around 10 or 11, I was like, Mom, I really, really want to learn how to speak Yoruba, so please teach me. So they started teaching me a little older I guess I mean 10 or 11 is not very old but like a lot of traditional I mean immigrant families that's the first language you learn so that's why I think from a Nigerian point of view um, a lot of Nigerians they'll meet me and they'll say oh no they won't think I'm Nigerian just because of maybe the way I speak and the the way I articulate things or just the way my communication style is maybe not very Nigerian so Nigerians Mm -hmm. often and even to this day, tell me, whoa, I can't believe you're Nigerian. I can't tell at all by the way you speak. And then obviously Canadian, well, I mean, yes, I consider myself Canadian, but I'm so tied and I'm so proud of my Nigerian roots that they won't necessarily um, consider myself Canadian, right? They'll often say, 
oh, where are you from? Or where are your parents from? Without realizing that I've been in Canada since I was four years old, right? So I'm, yeah. I'm pretty much Canadian. But even Canadians will oftentimes ask you, oh, where are you from? Even though I've been here my whole life. So it's kind of an interesting um, struggle. Yeah, it is an interesting struggle. Like I related to some of the things you were saying for different reasons. My parents, the way they used Kikongo, because that's another thing, most, I would say 90% of Congolese people speak Lingala, but in my family, we speak Kikongo, um, which is also because we're from the south of the country and not the capital. And in the capital, you would speak Lingala rather because it's closer to the other Congo where they predominantly speak it. And every other conversation that I will have with um, either Africans that are not Congolese or especially with Congolese, like, oh, you're Congolese? And the next sentence will be in Lingala. And I'm like, well, I don't speak it. <laughs> and then they look at me in shock because... It's like, how, I know. how can you not? Like, how dare you not? And then how the next you? assumption, exactly, is, oh, she must be like Oyimbo or like acting Oyimbo. When it's like, talk to me in Kikongo. I, I, I understand it now because my parents didn't actively teach it to me. They use it like a secret language weapon. Like, I don't know, that only they spoke. So you had to like over the years pick up on certain things. And yeah, now for sure, I'm more interested in learning it. So, yeah. And then to me, you're such a do it all. You, you said earlier, like your day was busy as it always was. And you really strike me as the type of person, well, the, the days don't have enough hours. What is it that you do for a living exactly? So, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's true. I feel like there's not enough hours in a day. There's not enough days in a week. There's not even much, enough months in a year, you know? But what do I do? So currently I work at Lightspeed. Um, so we sell a POS system for typically small to medium enterprises. Um, and we power the software between those POS systems. Now what I do, so I just recently started my job. Um, I'm a team lead for system configuration within our information systems department. So basically, if I were to make it really simple, within large companies, they often have systems to just help them run the actual business if you forget about their actual product offering. And that's kind of what I do. So um, we have CRMs, which is customer relationship management systems. We have ERPs. Um, and basically, I lead a team currently of four people, soon to be five. I have a new team member starting on, on Monday. And what we do is that we kind of optimize, we configure the system to make sure that we can help the business run as efficiently as possible. So that's just a fancy way of saying that we work on fancy databases so that people at Lightspeed can spend more time doing your job than managing and doing like paperwork or manual works. That, that's so cool. And like, it, it just helped me as well, because I obviously I, I was kind of in, in the know in terms of like your transition starting this job, but just like to get the little rundown, the elevator pitch almost, I felt like it was 30 seconds. So <laughs> but that's great. And then you're also an engineer. Yes. So um, that's interesting, right? So my background is in industrial engineering. I did industrial engineering at Concordia University. Whoop, whoop. And um, yeah, my job, although... It's, it's like not a traditional engineering job, 
although there's a lot of engineers that end up doing what I do, but yeah, my background is definitely um, in engineering. So it's been an interesting journey to say the least. And in what terms? So, I mean, when I started off, right, so I mean, how far back do I go? <laughs> but I guess a cliff note version. When I started off, I really didn't think I'd be in engineering. Um, for me, my dream was kind of to be a doctor, and I sh- I was sure that I was going to be a doctor. So that's the Nigerian in you. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, if I was in Niger- like, would I really be a Nigerian if I didn't want to be a doctor at some point in my life? Or a lawyer? Exactly. <laughs> it was like either doctor, lawyer, engineer. Those are like the top three pro- professions, and everything else was like subpar but we thank god for you know it's 2020 things are changing but yeah so i really wanted to be a doctor um i went into cjab did a bunch of like volunteer work i did intensive programs to really learn about um just healthcare institutions how they're run anyways and then i got to university and realized i didn't necessarily have the grades to go into pre-med and i was like um yeah i'm not doing 10 years of school so I just was like, I need to be working. I need to be on the ground as quickly as possible. So I was like, you know what? Engineering seems like a pretty, uh, a good uh, a good second choice, I guess. So anyways, I went into engineering and yeah, I'm just generally someone, I guess, that doesn't like to be boxed in or like to have options upon options so that I can kind of carve my own path. So industrial engineering for me seemed like the most, um, I guess the engineering that would allow me to do as much as possible. So industrial engineering, for those who don't know, is just kind of like as optimization of processes. So initially it was a degree that came from like manufacturing the shop floor where industrial engineers were responsible for optimizing let's say, the process of maybe assembling a car. So let's say it took you, I don't know, I'm going to use fictional numbers here. It takes 10 minutes to assemble a car from start to finish. And then they realize there's inefficiencies. That's when an industrial engineer would come in, identify those inefficiencies, optimize the process so that instead of taking 10 minutes, it takes eight minutes. So that kind of concept, although it was initially um, developed for shop floor, it's the kind of thing that can be applied to whatever industry. Um, So whatever you do, right, it's a process that you can optimize it. So the degree has really, evolved over the years um, and the way the program was set up at Concordia is that we had kind of a few business classes so I had accounting classes I had um, a lot of project management classes I had a lot of presentations so when I saw that and for me kind of felt a bit like a hybrid degree one that although I have an engineering background would allow me to have some business acumen for me I was like this is the best of both worlds and that's kind of why I decided to go into industrial engineering because I knew that it would give me the skills to kind of go for whatever career I wanted in the future. Um, and I feel like I was right. So, you know, I'm proud and I'm happy with that decision that I that I made. For sure. And even for me, like this is completely new because my mom studied electrical engineering. I don't know. And I, to me, I mean, yes, it's very technical, but the way I was always looking at engineering is just like, okay, you really sort of boxed in 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 certain industries but hearing about the process optimization you can obviously apply it to so so many different industries and and businesses that's super that's super super cool and something i didn't know that it gave you um that much of flexibility 
and yeah, so my mom actually studied in Hungary in the 80s, and she was one of the first women, especially Black women, to graduate from there. Would you still say that this is a predominantly male environment to this day? Oh, absolutely. Honestly, to this day, there, there aren't a lot of women in engineering. Um, I would say in industrial engineering, maybe there's a bit more women, but... If I were to look at my graduating class, like we are very, we are quite small. I think we're about 40. I would say maybe about 10, between 10 and 15 max were women. And that was kind of considered like a large percentage for industrial engineering. And even in my job right now, I'm leading a team of men. And even in the technical aspect, even as I'm working with the developers, there really aren't a lot of women, even now. So absolutely women and female representation within um, STEM, so science, technology, engineering, and medicine is still really, really, really low, and especially in engineering. So there's a bit more in science. When it comes to engineering, female representation is extremely low, even in 2020. In terms of the numbers, I wouldn't have guessed that because when I was in high school, which is already like 10 years back, um, is it? Yeah, I think so. Yes, um, <laughs> you're getting old. Yes, 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, anyways, so they were advertising so much of these like STEMs, um, jobs and STEMs, career paths for to attract, you know, more people, especially girls. And I thought that over the years that would have evolved. I mean, it's gotten better, that's for sure, right? Um, so the numbers are going up slowly. But once again, not very much. I do think that the numbers have gone up, especially in sciences. So if you look at chemistry, biology, um, physics, like there's definitely a lot more women. And I've seen that at least in universities. So women representation is slowly, slowly getting there, but the numbers are still quite low. And that's something that I'm like super passionate about Mm. um, to just have more women in just the technical arena to be like, yes, we can do it. And I think it's hard, right? There's when there's not, there isn't as much representation, maybe women and little girls don't see that they can do it because it's just not something they see. So they just naturally don't think about, you know, going into those fields. Mm So I really do hope that in the next decade or so that we would see more and more women. um, Because for me, I think we really have something unique to offer. What are some of the tips you would give girls that are either in school right now or even women that are um, um, in different career paths right now that are contemplating to become engineers or going into these types of industries? I mean, there's so many, but I think the one that I would give specifically is you don't have to act like a man or you don't have Mm -hmm. to put on more quote-unquote manly characteristics to thrive in this area so I mean some of the advice that I've seen floating around would almost be like you know make sure that you're super assertive or put on what we can call quote-unquote manly leadership qualities Mm -hmm. to really stand out but I really disagree with that I think that women we bring something unique and I don't think that we need to change who we are we don't need to act less feminine, act less girly, act more manly, or whatever it is. I don't think we need to change ourselves to be able to accept it in this industry. Um, I think men, when you're applying or you're thinking about STEM, you're just, you're applying and that's it, right? You're not thinking about, (laughs) what do I need to do? Do I need to act different? Do I need to put on a different kind of attitude? 
posture when I'm um, applying and it works. So that's one thing I know it might seem silly, but I would say to women, just be yourself. If it interests you, you can do it um, and go for it. And even like I've worked in corporate for five years now. I remember in the beginning, I really struggled with that because you, especially those boardrooms, you know, these boardroom situations when uh, you're asked to pitch in and give your opinion and it's just so intimidating um, to even raise your voice and not raise your voice, but to even uh, open, uh, open your mouth and say something. And I, it took me like it took me a few of these meetings a few weeks if not months that I would actually gather the courage to say something and the most frustrating feeling of it is when you're sitting in these rooms in these meetings and you see a guy that's your age or younger sitting there with total ease like lean back they just don't care and seem so cool and they will say exactly what you're thinking but not daring to spit out and then eventually I was like, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to do it. And the, it's, it take, it took practice. So the more, yeah. the more that I did it, the more confident I felt. And obviously with knowledge as well, when you know what you're talking about and you have the experience, there's definitely been de different scenarios and situations where people were trying to discredit me or trying to speak over me. But it's true. Like you said, you don't have to take on manly quote-unquote um characteristics like the femininity that we bring <clears throat> even in some terms vulnerability it's it's just something unique that we have and that adds something of value to to these rooms and to these conversations and also to push certain things forward sometimes or just having empathy and emotional intelligence and in, in some sense so yeah Yeah, and you said so many interesting things there. You know, I would consider myself a relatively, you know, confident person. But, man, even to this day, like, there's some times where, you know, you you don't want to speak out because it's just, like, the unfortunately, one of the realities of corporate world or um, tech or whatever industry you work in when it's predominantly male, oftentimes, like, a female's voice can just um, be discredited mm -hmm. so for me i think what is really really helped um, and you hit the nail on the head is on the knowledge part right you know i will do what i gotta do to really make sure i know my stuff and i'm really really prepared so that when you know i go into a presentation or a demo with a client and they're challenging me i know like you know what no one can discredit the hours that i put in mm -hmm. so i rest assured in the work and the knowledge that i've acquired And it's crazy because by doing that, I think that's what's really helped me in my career is because as a woman, I was like, you know what? I need to make sure that when I go in there, I know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because of all of that hard work that I've put that I'm so blessed and really did work really, really hard to get to where I'm at in my career. Mm -hmm. And once you start speaking and you realize that, whoa, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you look at the, the reactions in the room and you'll see everyone is kind of like nodding or whatever. It'll kind of build up your confidence, right? So okay. take baby, baby steps. And the other thing that you said that I still agree with is like that emotional intelligence piece. I think that's one thing that women do bring that really helps us as leaders. Obviously, there are different characteristics that men bring, but for us, emotional intelligence really makes us effective leaders. So For anyone that's listening that thinks like, you know what, maybe I don't, I don't got what it takes because, I don't know, it's typically men that are in leadership roles. 
would say no. Like every gender has something that they can bring to the table. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of us doubt that. But, you know, if I can do it, I really do think that anyone can. See, guys, this is why I have her on here. Like, this is pure gold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm kind of like sitting down and taking notes just um I think what a lot of people also don't think about often is that there are different leadership types and there is also different personalities so don't waste your time trying to be the other person be you and know your stuff um yep. I was just again thinking about my mom because she now works um well, I think she started off as a project manager in automotive and worked her way up the the corporate ladder. And again, for me, that's just so inspiring to have her as a mom, because I mean, I, I said in previous episodes that we grew up in rural Germany, where my mom works is even five steps more rural, if that's even possible. So to not only work in a super non-diverse um, place in the middle of Germany, as well as leading a team of now over 200 men is wild. Yes, that is what I'm talking about. <laughs> I get super, super inspired and I'm super excited. I just love things like that because it's just women breaking bears. And, and she always tells me, like, whenever I would come home and I would talk myself out of doing certain things because I didn't feel capable, she always reminded me, she was like, if I was able to study engineering in a language I did not speak, Hungarian, uh, in the Cold War, <laughs> like, you're able to do wow. this. I'm like, okay, okay, no excuse. I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then you just keep doing it. <laughs> but um, let's get personal a little bit. I feel like we heard really great tips and also just some insight on your professional walk but then speaking of the the private Liz you married young yes I did (laughs) that's that's a statement (laughs) like you married young what are three of the things you wish you had known before marriage yeah I mean I married quite young and I think to put things in perspective maybe people listening are like wait how young were you? Um, so I got married at 19 years old. I know it's crazy to think that in 2011, I got married at 19. Um, if I were to give three pieces of advice, the importance of therapy. Boom, boom, boom. One of my favorite quotes is, your trauma isn't your fault, but your healing is your responsibility. Or I don't know how exactly it goes with something along those lines. Um, and I think everyone grows up Even though when I say trauma, you may have had like the best childhood. And one of the best examples I saw of that is, let's say, I don't know, you're a young girl and your dad's love language to your mom was, I don't know, gift giving. And you automatically associated your husband and all men um, that you would maybe, or your boyfriends or your future partners, they would need to give you gifts to really show that they love you. So just rural things like that, sometimes you will put expectations of, your parents and to your partner so I really do think that therapy is not a bad word it's not um, a bad thing and even though I said trauma sometimes it's not even just trauma it's just really preparing your heart preparing your mind for what's to come now in terms of number two I would say like be um, secure in yourself and your identity sometimes maybe it's easy to um, kind of not be sure of who you are or to kind of let go of who you are for the sake of the other person. 
Um, but I think that don't do that. And, and it kind of brings me to my third piece of advice, which is take care of you for the other person as opposed to take care of the other person for you. So what I mean by that is like myself was take care of yourself, make sure that you kind of self-care, whatever that routine could look like. Because when you're a better version of yourself for you, you will, um, without realizing, be a better version of yourself for your partner. And I think when you get into a relationship, depending on your personality, right, it's kind of very easy to start thinking that I need to take care of my partner or I need to be a helper for my partner. And I'm not saying that that's not important, but I do think that once you kind of prioritize yourself, then the version of you, right, that your partner falls in love with stays alive and strong and if you kind of let go of that before you know it you'll lose parts of yourself while taking care of the other person and then it just it just kind of gets messy so just to summarize the the first thing is therapy yeah uh, Yeah. the t word (laughs) then don't lose yourself and the last part was to self-care yeah and especially to the second point because i mean obviously when you when you married at 19 and your your partner he was 19 as well? He was 20. So, I mean, we're, we were kids, right? We were so young. Yeah. Because that's one of the things that I would be curious about. So how does that even look like? Because you're, you're, well, you, you knew each other. I know that you've known each other for a while, even before that. It's not like you, you were like, okay, swipe, I'm going to marry. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I, if I look back at who I was at 19, and now I'm only like on the brink of 27, <laughs> We're not the same. We're not the no, same we're not. person, you know. And having to evolve with someone alongside me—that that must have been interesting as well. Yep. It, I mean, it was definitely interesting. And I think, I mean, okay, like just to give everyone some context, right? So we got married at nineteen. Yes, but I've known him my whole life, right? So I've known him since I was four. So by the time I was like nineteen, I had known him. Uh, we had known each other for like 15 years at least you know just to give some context there was definitely a lot of history there and I think that's why like yes at 19 or whatever age when you if you get married at 30 whoever you are at 30 you're not the same person at 50 or mm-hmm. if you get married at in our case at 19 and now I'm 28 um, who I am now is, is different and I think that's why if you take the importance of like just nourishing yourself self-care not losing who you are what's going to happen is just you're going to evolve, you're going to grow, you're going to become healthier. And I think that's how you have a healthy relationship when both parties are healthy and both parties are really discovering themselves. Of course, now I'm saying that because we've been together for 11 years now. So of course, you're saying that in hindsight. True love still exists. Something like that. (laughs) It's possible, you guys. It is possible. With, uh, With some work, it is definitely possible. So I don't know. Like, of course, I'm looking back um, 10 years later and I'm able to say this. So to say that we didn't make mistakes, come on. I mean, mm. of course, we made mistakes along the way. We were young. We were just kind of figuring things out. But I think um, for us, what really kept us was our friendship. I mean, regardless of what happens, I think Emmanuel and I are truly friends. And we're best friends, if anything. Like, even if like I'm upset with him or he's upset with me, like oftentimes they'll break just because I'm like, I really have to tell him something or I saw something really silly on Instagram and I really need to show him and that will kind of break it up. So we're, we're truly best friends. Um, you know, I'm super grateful for our friendship because it kind of really sustained our marriage even when we were just figuring things out because 
Let's be real. At 19, you think you know who you are, but you, you don't. And you lose yourself and find yourself again and lose yourself. Exactly. Uh, speaking of healthy relationships and <laughs> asking for a friend, what are some of the communication do's and don'ts? And that can also apply to friendships or any type of relationships. Wow. So communication do's and don'ts. I would say communicate, communicate, communicate. And when you think that you've communicated enough, <laughs> you probably haven't. Um, <laughs> so talking from female point of view and don't worry I'm going to get to the male point of view soon um but oftentimes sometimes we think our partner or not even just our partner like our friends know what's wrong and our friends sometimes are just completely oblivious like they don't know what went down they don't know what is bothering us they don't know exactly maybe what they said that maybe hurt us so I think being honest with yourselves number one about things and then communicate it to your partner be honest be vulnerable and you know I'm saying that and I don't love vulnerability for anyone that knows me well enough but (laughs) (laughs) thugs don't cry exactly thugs don't cry like that's my motto well it was my motto until like two years ago and now whatever I'm becoming an adult and I'm realizing tears are important (laughs) but that's a side note (laughs) but all of this to say is vulnerability is super important right because without vulnerability true um, relationships don't grow and not just partner friendships right if you're not fully honest you're not vulnerable and you don't open up your heart or yourself in an authentic way in your relationships you guys won't grow those roots right that are needed and your your relationship will stay kind of like shallow so The good thing with vulnerability, like the analogy that comes to mind is it's like, yes, it's exposing, but it's kind of like, you know, let's say you're digging a tree, right? Like you need to kind of like dig, dig, dig and like create this deep hole to put the tree in. And in that moment, you feel like exposed in that moment. You're like, oh, my gosh, there's nothing covering me. But as those roots really start um, spreading, if that's the proper word, it becomes more and more secure. So mm-hmm. look at it that way, that communication really fosters vulnerability. And what vulnerability in a relationship does is that it just makes sure your roots grow deeper and stronger. So the first time you'll tell your girlfriend or you'll tell your boyfriend or you'll tell your friend or whatever, say, hey, you know what? What she said really bothered me. I really don't like it when you make that assumption. Mm-hmm. After that moment, you're going to feel some kind of way. You're going to be like, yo, why did I even say that? You know, now they're going to think I'm weak. You know, they're going to think that, you know, ah, I'm difficult. You're going to feel some kind of way. But then after that, your friend's going to understand if it's a true friend, which topic for another time, but if it's a true friend, they're going to understand. And then what's going to happen next time? You're going to be like, yo, don't talk to me like that. It's not even a big deal. So just think about it like that. The first few times it's so exposing, but once those roots have really taken um place then you're good to go and it's on to the next thing Uh, and then you also said that um one of the things that kept you going is your guys's friendship yes aside from that when you think back to some of your hardships along the years that you've encountered what else has kept you going i would say my faith right um you know at the end of the day you know i'm a christian Emmanuel also is a Christian, and I think for us, our faith was super, super important and really kept us through some of the difficult times where, you know, sometimes like your partner just annoys you and you just feel in a deal. <laughs> and it is what it is. I'm going to keep it 100. 
Um, but I think our faith and really praying really, um, I don't know, it anchors you, it settles you. Um, it's just, it just helps you kind of in your relationship just to make sure that you're, I don't know, it's like when you bring God into it, it's like you bring in a third all-knowing perspective into your relationship because sometimes like I'm stubborn he's stubborn we're both actually stubborn people so sometimes God is the only one that kind of just um yeah makes it all work out so I would say God for sure has been super super key and important in our relationship I kind of hope that you were going to say that but in case you didn't my my follow-up question would have been the fact that you guys are Christians, what impact does it have in your relationship? And even looking at daily lives, so as a Christian couple, how do you live your faith? Yeah, I mean, living our faith, like there's there's so many different ways that we've done it across the years, right? From praying together, you know, sometimes like listening to worship music, because um, that's an important part of our faith together, mm-hmm. um, whether it's like reading the Bible together and just like, you know, using a Bible plan, reading a Bible plan together, even just talking about it. So I think what's been important for us is as a married couple to make sure that those journeys are intertwined and um, kind of feed off of each other has been just really, really key and I think really instrumental to the health of our relationship. So those are different ways that we've, um, I would say, walked out our faith over the last couple of years I mean couple of years I mean decade which is it's insane that I'm saying decade <laughs> at 28 years old and especially right now like in the times that we that we're living right now where everything is so fast-paced and no I don't want this and no I don't want that commitment is like the swear word <laughs> around here I find it so cool to see that um yeah you guys are just defeating the odds and I personally don't know a lot of couples that marry young and that I find cool anyway (laughs) oh thank you (laughs) this podcast episode will be titled thugs don't cry statement you made earlier (laughs) and the first time you said that to me was on a car ride we shared and since then it's also kind of been my slogan along with do it afraid which you also said in the beginning like do it scared or what, what, what is it exactly in your wording? Just do it. Like, that's kind of my motto. But actually, though, so how do you grow tough skin, especially to someone like me? I'm a huge crybaby. How do I become a thug? Not how do I become a thug? <laughs> <laughs> Not what I wanted to ask. Sure. You know, how do I live that motto? Thugs don't cry. Um, I mean, thugs don't cry. It's funny because when I said that, like maybe a couple of years, I think I was just in a different place in my life where like I was battling a lot of things personally, career and my fate. Like I was just going through it. And for me, thugs don't cry. What it embodied at that time of my life was like, you know what, girl, you don't have time to cry about it. You're going to thug it out. So that's something that I used to say a lot. Just thug it out. So when you're going through a hard time, thug it out. When you're not sure what to do, thug it out. Meaning like just go through the thick and thin of it and just keep pushing. Just keep swimming. That was for me at that time of my life what I needed to tell myself to just go through some of the difficulties I was. So that's why for me, that's where the thugs don't cry came. Because I was like, I ain't going to cry about this. I'm just going to thug it out. Mm. 
I love that. That was the end of this brilliant podcast. Like, I love this episode already because I, again, could have taken so many notes and I will, as I will listen to this again because it applies to my life personally, professionally, and I'm so excited about the feedback that I will get. Um, can't wait to share that with you afterwards as well. But I want to give you the last word. What's a question that you have for the folks that are listening and they will respond to it in the comments on Instagram? I mean, one of the things that I think with 2020, and I think it's kind of how I like to live my life is, you know, if you had no fear and you can do anything, what would you do, right? Um, whether it's professionally, whether it's in your um, relationship, whether it's in your passions, whatever it was, right? If you had no fear um, and you were fully confident in your gifts and abilities, what would you do? So that's the, uh, that's the question that I have for the audience. And um, I hope you guys answer because I'd love to just kind of read through your responses. Yeah, I love that. I'm just kind of thinking because I'm scared of a lot of things. <laughs> it's like, it's like Aren't we all? Things. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't like going shopping in person because I'm afraid of dolls and there's um like I didn't know that window, so. <laughs> you didn't know that I'm, no. I'm terrified like I have a phobia <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow no comments yeah. but no I think we're all afraid of stuff right and I'm saying thugs don't cry just do it but like I do it a fruit all of the time there's so many times that I'll be like uh, I don't know what to do. And I'll just like, you know what, just do it. So I'm saying this not for anyone to feel some kind of way like, but I'm scared. Like, listen, I'm scared half of the times too. <laughs> you just dug it out. So that's a perfect wrap up. Thank you, Liz, again for coming on here. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. <laughs> That was it for today guys really hope you enjoyed today's chat with liz and if you did please make sure to give us some feedback either in the comments on social media or in a direct message let us know how you relate to it whether you're looking to go into stems yourself whether you got married early anything that relates to to liz's story and to today i'm really excited um, to hear your stories and yes today was also the second last episode of this year that being said there will be another episode in two weeks and it will be the last episode of this year and in that episode we will sit down with someone very very dear to me as well and he is not the most emotional person so it'll be an interesting challenge to squeeze out as much as possible out of him but this is the story of an overcomer and you need to hear it <laughs> like in a matter of short time you're basically getting to know all the people that are so dear to me and also the, i hope the reason why i keep them around because they're awesome so um i'll talk to you soon can't wait